Socialists, a podcast produced by Speak Out Now. We are a revolutionary socialist group. Our website is speakoutsocialists.org. You can find us on Facebook at Speak Out Now or on Instagram and Twitter at Rev Socialists. These are the reports from the week of June 17th. This whole racist system is guilty. Ever since racist Minneapolis cops murdered George Floyd, protests have erupted in thousands of cities and towns across the country and around the world. The outrage that is poured into the streets every single day has become aimed at more than just the racism and brutality of individual cops. Some people are beginning to question the entire system that created and maintains the racism of this society. In response to relentless protests, governors, mayors, and more have frantically tried to channel people's anger out of the streets by making new gestures against racism and new promises of police reform. From NASCAR to the NFL, suddenly racism is being condemned. Several cities voted to ban some violent police practices. In the South, as racist statues are being torn down, Some politicians are claiming their support after the fact. Mayors and governors have begun to make promises to reduce funding to police departments. The Minneapolis City Council voted to replace the police department with a new institution. And several Democratic senators kneeled for eight minutes, posing as if they supported the protests. For decades, politicians have dragged their heels and offered all sorts of excuses, for why even small reforms like these were impossible. But with hundreds of thousands of people in the streets, suddenly many things have become possible. The politicians haven't changed. The police haven't changed. And the system they both protect hasn't changed one bit. Amid recent protests, we've still seen police murder Sean Monterosa in Vallejo, California, as he kneeled with his hands up and was shot five times. And we've seen Atlanta police murder Ray Shard Brooks shooting him in the back as he ran away. And the police continue to brutalize countless others. Let's not kid ourselves about the role of the police in this society. No amount of small funding cuts or rebranding will change the role of the police as the front lines of violence to defend this system. What's changed is that hundreds of thousands of people have demonstrated their refusal to accept the racism of this society any longer. Those who run the society are starting to get worried about the anger and determination that is inspiring people all over this country. This is what the politicians are afraid of. This is what they are trying to stop. They are hoping we will accept these minor changes that we'll start to get tired, stop protesting, and go back to normal. But along with the racism of this society, this pandemic has shown us that we can't go back to normal. Millions have lost their jobs. Over 115,000 people have lost their lives. 
tens of thousands of families have lost their small businesses forever. This pandemic has given us a clear look at the future that this system holds up, and it's a total nightmare. What hasn't changed is that politicians believe they can win people over by handing out these crumbs or reform. They think we can be distracted and redirect all of our efforts into electing Joe Biden and the Democrats in November. But we've been here before. We remember Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Freddie Gray, and too many others who were killed by cops during the Obama administration with Biden as vice president. It doesn't matter whether the Democrats or Republicans occupy the White House. It doesn't matter who is promising police reforms. Both parties, just like the police, serve to protect and maintain this violent system. We can't once again settle for their empty promises and leave our future in the hands of those who defend this system. This can be a start of a movement to get rid of this racist system once and for all. The Price is Wrong, Vaccine for Profit In the past several weeks, vaccine development in the U.S. has gotten a lot of attention. One pharmaceutical company that's leading the development of a vaccine of COVID-19, Moderna, announced positive results from their Phase two clinical trials. This news has encouraged those that have been worried about the vaccine development process. However, this announcement also brings up an important question about ownership. Who will own the patent rights to this life-saving vaccine? How much will it cost? Will insurance cover it? Can people still get it without having insurance? Will people need more than one vaccination? All of these questions and more have yet to be addressed. Pharmaceutical companies make a lot of money by patenting and owning the intellectual property rights to drugs and therapies, which gives them a monopoly on the drug product. If a company owns the right to a COVID-19 vaccine, they will be in control of the entire production process, including how much gets made, who will have access to it, and the price. The pharmaceutical industry as a whole is a lobbying powerhouse in the U.S., spending $295 million in the year of 2019 alone. They defend the rights of pharma companies to exclusively profit from life-saving drugs and their ability to set prices. They argue that it's pharmaceutical companies that fund the expensive research and development process that leads to medical advancements. It's true, research and development are costly and time-intensive processes, but pharmaceutical companies rely heavily on federal funding to subsidize the process. From the years 2010 to 2016, all 210 new drugs that were approved by the FDA received funding from the National Institute of Health. Moderna, as well as other pharma companies working on a vaccine or treatment for COVID-19, have been given federal funding to speed up the development process. These funds come through tax dollars, and act as a buffer for the company, so their profits remain high. Without public funding, medical advancements are deemed unprofitable for privately owned pharmaceutical companies to invest in. The world's population is counting on the research and development of a vaccine for COVID-19, and every day that goes by without it, people across the globe are at risk. It's only through public funding and the countless scientists and lab technicians working tirelessly in the pharmaceutical field that innovative new drugs and vaccines are possible. Access and price can't be left in the hands of a company 
whose only motivation is profit. Otherwise, we can expect nothing but the usual from pharmaceutical companies. Vaccinations and life-saving drugs and therapies will continue to be sold at the highest price, regardless of human need. The first Pride was a riot, Stonewall Uprising, June 28, 1969. We remember. Even though Pride is often viewed as a party or parade, its origins stem from a refusal to accept the police violence plaguing the LGBTQ community. The event often considered the spark of the gay rights movement was the Stonewall Uprising in 1969. Patrons of a New York City bar, the Stonewall Inn, were routinely harassed by the police, subjected to degrading strip searches, and consistently at the mercy of police raids. Homosexuality was illegal, and bars and clubs were often the only places LGBTQ individuals could express themselves. However, during a police raid on June 28, 1969, people at the Stone Wall didn't just sit back and wait to get arrested, they fought back. Nor did neighbors just walk past. They stood by, becoming increasingly agitated at the escalating police brutality. Within minutes, hundreds of people were resisting the police violence. This had become a riot. The police became outnumbered and scared, eventually barricading themselves inside the bar. And for five more days, protests erupted in the city, sometimes including thousands of people. On the one-year anniversary of the riot, several demonstrators marched past the stone wall, marking the first Pride Parade. Though this event was not the first instance of LGBTQ people fighting back against the police violence or discrimination, it has come to symbolize the beginning of a movement. But like many important historical events, the concept of Pride has been rewritten and reconstituted for the sake of profit. For example, even though the LGBTQ community has rates of alcohol dependency up to five times higher than the general population, Pride parades exhibit float after float of alcohol sponsors. Even though LGBTQ individuals are more likely to live in poverty, many Pride celebrations require expensive entrance fees just to join in on the festivities. Even though up to 40% of homeless youth are LGBTQ, there exists a plenitude of gay cruise lines and luxury travel companies ready to sell you a vacation at Pride festivals. And the stores trying to sell us their support don't care about human rights. Target won't provide adequate sick pay to employees during COVID-19, but they'll plaster pride posters and sell rainbow-colored clothing. Starbucks has been publicly donating money to LGBTQ foundations while simultaneously using prison labor. Nike is giving money to organizations benefiting LGBTQ communities, though it recently blocked labor rights groups from monitoring its factories. During Pride Month, we should remember and celebrate the struggles of LGBTQ people for the right and the right of future generations to exist. We should see the similarities in the riots and protests today, in which black people are refusing to let police violence plague their communities any longer. And we should also remember that it has only been when regular people stand up and fight back that we see changes. But making sure our resistance doesn't get co-opted by corporations looking to make a buck off our struggles is going to require an even bigger vision. One where we stand in solidarity together 
against the system that works to rob us all of our humanity and our livelihoods. The Supreme Court Upholds LGBTQI Rights In a surprise ruling on Monday, June 15th, the Supreme Court voted 6-3, to ruling that workplace discrimination against LGBTQI, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, and intersex people, is unconstitutional. Up until this decision, it was legal to discriminate against LGBTQI people on the job in 29 states in the country. This decision included votes by conservative Justice John Roberts and Neil Gorsuch. Gorsuch opposes LGBTQI rights and was appointed by Trump himself. While Trump has pushed at every lever and button to violate people's rights, we still see people within the government who don't simply follow Trump's orders. Gorsuch and Roberts see themselves as civil servants first, in spite of their commitment to right-wing ideals. It isn't that they don't agree with Trump. The problem is that they can't find a way to uphold his order based on the language of the law. The right-wing majority of the Supreme Court is only waiting for a legally acceptable way to overturn gay rights and women's rights. The fact that the civil rights of any person, gay or straight, black or white, are up for debate is unacceptable. LGBTQI rights, just like any civil rights, were not won by the Supreme Court. To defend and secure these rights, we need to rely on our own forces. Trump rolls back LGBTQI protections. Unacceptable. On Friday, June 12th, the Trump administration removed legislation that protects health care protections for LGBTQI people in the workplace. With these protections removed, LGBTQI people would have no protection against discrimination in health care accommodations or by doctors and insurance providers. This decision is a horrible violation of human rights that were only recently granted during the Obama administration. Adding insult to injury, this decision comes on the anniversary of the Pulse nightclub massacre. In 2016, on June 12th, a gunman entered a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida, and opened fire, killing 49 people. How could this be a coincidence? Trump knows exactly what he's doing. It's no accident that the attack comes during an election year. Trump probably staged this decision as an election year stunt to show his commitment to homophobic politics to his supporters who share that prejudice. We need to call this what it is, unacceptable. If the last weeks have taught us anything, it's that we don't have to wait to make change happen. Campaign rally in Tulsa, rally or racist pageant. In another racist outrage, Trump dared to schedule his first campaign rally of the season for June 19th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. June 19th, known as Juneteenth, is the traditional date for celebrating the end of chattel slavery of African people in the United States. He got so much criticism that he changed it to the next day. Still, what is the coded meaning of him holding this campaign rally in Tulsa? Tulsa is the site of a riot by racist whites that destroyed a black community in 1921. The police had arrested a black teenager for allegedly attempting to rape a white teenage girl. 
There was little evidence, but a mob threatened to lynch the young man. When they couldn't take him from the jail, they turned on the black community. Many black people fought back, and many were armed in self-defense. But a mob of thousands of racists invaded the black community, burned and looted black businesses and homes, locked up many people in detention centers, and even dropped firebombs from airplanes. Hundreds of people died in the massacre, and a community was destroyed. This cannot be forgotten. Trump said of his planned campaign rally there, think about it as a celebration. Really? With the nation today focused on racist violence, there is no doubt of the symbolism. He is celebrating a racist massacre. Not only has he personally ordered violence against anti-racist protesters in Washington, D.C., by ignoring the past of Tulsa at this moment, as he pretends to do, not denouncing the local history of racism, there can be no doubt that he is celebrating how great his racist nation is. He is blatantly supporting racist violence by his celebration. Say his name, Rayshard Brooks, another racist cop shoots to kill. It never ends. Despite the ongoing nationwide and even global protests in the wake of the racist police murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, a white Atlanta cop shot a black man, Rayshard Brooks, 27 years old, in the back. He was the father of five daughters, including two who were stepchildren, and a sixth daughter on the way. Police had arrested Brooks after he fell asleep in his car in the drive through lane of a Wendy's. When they tried to cuff him, he fought back, grabbed a taser from a cop, and ran. One of the cops shot Brooks in the back just a few yards away, leaving him dead. The cops waited over two minutes to check his pulse after shooting Brooks, feeling the need to put on gloves and pick up the shell casings first. Killed for falling asleep in the wrong place. Shot in the back. Protests erupted at the Wendy's and other parts of Atlanta. We all have to raise our voices and protest this outrage. Protect and serve is a familiar cop slogan. But really, it's shoot to kill, especially when their victim is black. Let's start telling the truth, that they stand over us to protect the wealth and power of the 1%, not the rest of us, and obviously not black people. Defund the police? The murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis cops unleashed the largest wave of protests in the United States in over 50 years, as well as significant demonstrations around the world. Floyd's murder focused many people's anger on racist police brutality. Some black people and others who have become activated by these protests are now also discussing how to end the racist practices of the police in this society. Some demonstrators have raised the slogan, defund the police, and this slogan has been picked up by some Democratic Party politicians. This means different things to different people, from abolishing police departments to reducing their funding and giving the money saved to various community programs. The Democrats in Congress are also talking about abolishing the use of chokeholds and other specific practices. But that's like saying that the cops can only use one kind of gun, not another. 
Of course we should fight to oppose racist police brutality as much as we can, but we need to recognize that the main purpose of the police is to maintain the law and order of the 1%. The capitalists, whose drive for profit means a society based on exploitation, oppression, and racism, will never give up having police power to protect their interests. We cannot allow ourselves to be tricked into believing otherwise. If we want to get rid of police brutality, we need to get rid of the capitalist system that rests on this kind of racist violence. Navajo Nation Tragedy Not all communities suffer COVID-19 equally. The Navajo Nation, a territory about the size of West Virginia that encompasses 173,667 people, has suffered more COVID-19 cases than eight U.S. states combined. At this time, this population has a coronavirus infection rate of more than 3.4%, with more than 6,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and a total of 142 deaths, according to the Navajo Nation Department of Health. By comparison, New York State has an infection rate of 1.9%. In Navajo County, a part of Navajo Nation located in Arizona, one out of 44 people have contracted the virus. Dr. Sriram Shamasundar, an associate professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, told Alan Moses of U.S. News and World Report, I would say that one-third of the population doesn't have electricity or running water. That means that while shelter-in-place may for us be an inconvenience, for many Native Americans, it's an impossibility. If you don't have a refrigerator to store food or water to drink, then you're not going to be able to just stay at home. Then there's hunger. Much of this nation is a food desert, where grocery stores, convenience stores, and fresh produce are either hard to find or unaffordable for many Navajo Nation residents. At this time, 44% of the population lives below the poverty line. In addition to this, the Navajo Territory only has 12 health care sites, and these facilities were already among the most underfunded and understaffed in America. Lack of healthy food, poverty, and stress caused the Navajo people to suffer higher rates of diabetes, heart disease, and obesity health conditions which lead to an increased risk of death from COVID-19. These deaths show one more case in which poor people and minorities suffer the worst of this pandemic. Speak Out Now is a revolutionary socialist organization. Our website is speakoutsocialists.org. You can find us on Facebook at Speak Out Now or on Instagram and Twitter at RevSocialists. We want to thank Boots Riley and The Coup for letting us use their song, Get Up, featuring Dead Prez. Thanks for listening. <laughs>